Hey everyone, welcome back to the Girl of Gen Z podcast. I'm your host Clarissa and today I have a guest on by the name of Barbie Wharton. Barbie is a dance event boss, Bell's palsy survivor, writer, and speaker. She shares what it was like leaving her job in upper management and transitioning into working on a team dance apparel company with her sister. She also shares what it was like producing dance competitions every year across Western Canada for the past 20 years. Barbie shares her new business venture, B1 Dance Productions, as well as her new video series. Before we go ahead with the episode, if you could kindly take two minutes to rate this podcast five stars, preferably, and leave a review on the podcast app, that would be much appreciated. And if you're watching this on YouTube, if you could give the video a thumbs up, subscribe, and hit the notification bell, I'll forever be grateful. As always, the timestamps of the topics we cover in this episode will be listed in the episode show notes. Without further ado, let's get on into the episode. Hi, Barbie. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm fantastic. It's beautiful here. Um, You're in Vancouver? Yes, I am. Yeah, Vancouver, BC, 2010 Olympics. Yeah, beautiful city. I'm very lucky to live here. Yeah, I'm jealous. It seems like a, a really nice place to live. It is very, very expensive, but very beautiful. <laughs> so, um, you know, we do enjoy the sun when we have it, and it's beautiful. It's almost 30 degrees here right now. So, we take oh, wow. Yeah. So, you guys have been having a good summer so far then? Um, so far, so good. You know, um, for every white now, it's kind of a uh, uh, you know, we take it, we can get, and you have the good days and the bad days. So we definitely appreciate the good. Um, my mom has a pool, so we definitely like to go over there as much as I can. It's nice. Yeah, very lucky. No complaints here. Yeah, for sure. That's really nice on a nice summer hot day <laughs> to yeah, just jump absolutely. on in that. Absolutely. So let's start a little bit about your upbringing. Where were you born? Um, if you moved anywhere, where did you move to? And where are you located now? Um, so I grew up in a, it's a town called Coquitlam. Um, it's about, probably it's a suburb about 40 minutes outside of the main city of Vancouver. Um, again, beautiful, um, very lucky, had two amazing parents. My dad's um, passed away now about seven years ago, but we were very close, uh, very important in my life. My mom and my sister and I are still um, very close, um, you know, see each other see each other a lot. I have two boys and she has three kids. So I'm very lucky to have my family close, very supportive. Um, two of the best women I could ever have shared my life and business with. So I'm very lucky that way. So grew up in Coquitlam, literally grew up in the same house, um, which I later on bought and raised my two kids in, but I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, yes, raised in Coquitlam, had a wonderful group of friends. Um, I was a dancer, danced my whole life. And my mom, when I was about in grade five, bought the studio, um, was offered a partnership. The studio director said, you know, I could use some help. My mom's an entrepreneur, a fabulous businesswoman. So she figured it was cheaper to buy the studio than pay for dance classes is what her joke is. Um, so, yeah, we were in the studio, you know, every day, all the time. We really loved it. I went to high school in Coquitlam as well. Um, suffered a lot of depression, anxiety, lots of... Um, kind of crippling mood um, issues, you know, there, and which I do talk about quite frequently. I do like everyone to kind of know we're not in it alone. You're not the only one. So I graduated there, uh, went to business school, went to BCIT, which is um, very highly regarded tech school in BC for business. I did a four-year program in two years. What made you choose seven. business? How I kind of roll. Um, I knew, I always knew I wanted to be to be a business lady, I used to call it when I was in grade two, even from grade two, you know, I went to, you know, on professional days, my friends would go to the beach with their moms and their friends, you know, and I'm talking grade two or grade three. And I would go with my, um, my grandma ran the BC lacrosse association out here and I would go to her office and they would let me answer the phone and do photocopies. And, and I just loved it. Loved being in an office and, my mom always kind of told me that I was, I needed to wait to find out what my true talents were. I was kind of one of those kids that was an adult in a kid's body and, you know, coming into my own and I just turned 40 this year. It is kind of nice. Um, moms usually are right. And so, um, you know, I'm here. So that's a little bit about my upbringing. And then, like I said, I got, you know, did all the things, did all the, uh, go to school, get a good education. I was very lucky to have my parents be able to provide that for me. Um, you know, met a guy, got married, got a great job. I think I did the, you know, did the job first, did the, had my own place, strong woman on my own, get married, have babies, buy a house, do all the things. And um, 
Like I said, we actually bought the house I grew up in from my parents when they moved. And um, it was beautiful. And then um, my kids are now 14 and 12. Their dad and I separated about, I think it's about four years now. Um, so did all the, the perfect life. And then I kind of, you know, a lot of us run into like, who am I? What am I doing? What do I really want to do with my life? So that's kind of where I am now. Um, coming out of my shell or my cocoon, as they call it, and entering a new phase in my life. And I just got engaged. So congratulations. That's so exciting. My, my, um, second relationship, I'm very lucky to have found love. It is, it is something that a lot of people don't get, um, get to do. So I'm very excited about that. So I know you got engaged super recently. Uh, you mentioned before the call a week ago, a week ago, you got engaged. Yeah, last week. So that is crazy. A week or a week and a half. Yeah. And we've been together about two, two and a half years now. And, you know, um, it's tricky. It's tricky when you're in a second relationship, you know, at any age, really, because, you know, what you're doing is you're carrying your baggage. I hate that word, but you're carrying it into another relationship. So basically you're dealing with um, the buildup of, of things that has happened from someone since day one. So it is kind of tricky. And all that's important is that, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have found someone who's um, going to put the effort in and try, try with me. That's the most important thing I think I want people to find in their life. Absolutely. And when are you guys planning on getting married then? I know with the pandemic, it's a little bit up in the air. No Um, rush on it. Like in relationship, we're not going to have anything. I just kind of wanted, you know, honestly, to tell you the truth, I never really thought I would want to get married again. I thought that, you know, I did that and, you know, we just, we weren't meant to be and we had our differences, obviously. Um, You know, he's a great dad and my kids are great and healthy. And I kind of thought, you know what, I'm going to do like, this is my life. I'm going to do my thing. I'm like, you know, big boss babe doing it. And then, you know, you meet somebody who, um, you know, just, you know, you can do it on your own, but it's better not, it's nicer not to. So, so I've been lucky, you know, lucky to find that. So basically let's just get real girls. I wanted the ring and (laughs) what's is, you know, I did, I did the big wedding when I was 25 and it was beautiful. So I think we're just going to, you know, have a small ceremony with my, with my, my family and, um sign the papers we were going to do it in Maui in August was kind of my intention but that's not going so well right right (laughs) but you know first of all problems it's totally okay um when we do get there we'll just get the pictures because again it's all about the pictures right that's all you got (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have something to post on Instagram (laughs) yeah yeah so it's really funny you know at my age I don't you know I'm sorry I make it sound like I'm 80 but you know, with the second go around, people are like, oh, you didn't, you know, you didn't update your status on Facebook or you didn't this. And I'm like, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's all right. So then I do. Yeah, I think it'll be nice to have a more private, intimate, you know, ceremony and not do the whole shabam again. Cause like you said, you've already done it. Has he uh, already been married as well? Yes. Yeah, so he's 10 years older than me. And, you know, we have, it's just to me and everybody's different um second marriages and weddings to me are super fun to go to because I like to you know it's like I said it's just it's so exciting when someone finds love the second time around but for me I'm kind of focusing inward right now um deciding which um path I'm taking um you know restarting a business and I'm just very excited so for us it's kind of just focusing inward and just being excited and grateful and moving forward for sure well congratulations and I wish you luck with with that whole thing. So in your, in your bio, it said that you left a career in upper management after having your two boys and then started a team apparel company with your sister. Yeah. So what made you choose that path and how did that business work? So as I said, I always, um, I always knew I'd be an entrepreneur. My mom, um, both my parents actually, but my mom is a self-made, um, entrepreneur. Um, she calls it the fly by the seat of your pants method. Um, she says she got, (laughs) so, um, I did have the privilege of, of learning a lot from her. I always knew that I would be in business for myself. She did tell me when I was a teenager that she wouldn't do any business with me until I worked for someone else. And of course, when I was 16, 17, I thought that was the total, the bitchiest thing a mom could say to anybody. Um, but of course she was totally right. So what I did is I went to BCIT, I worked, um, on the side I I mean, I was, I was literally killing it at life. All I went to school and I worked and that was what I did. And, you know, my parents were very supportive. I paid rent and did the things. And 
when I graduated, it's very normal in this business school that you, so well, most business school, but you have an apprenticeship and, and things. My apprenticeship was terrible. So I was like, oh my God, everybody's getting jobs at their apprenticeship. And I'm like, I hate it here. Like, hate it, hate it, hate it here. So of course, you know, you're, oh my God, I'm never going to work. I'm never getting a job. Like my life's over. I'm 22, whatever. So my, 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 my parents are just calm down. So, you know, it was awesome. I did a road trip with my girlfriends and we, you know, went across Canada and then, um, came home and had a job offer. Um, and so basically I started as a marketing coordinator. Uh, my, my schooling is in marketing. And one of the, the stories I like to tell is that, you know, you, you need to find a way to make yourself stand out somehow. I think now it's a little bit harder. Um, you know, a couple of the girls that I worked with are having a hard time applying now to jobs because a lot of it's automated, but you know, you can find a way to stand out. So when I, um, have you watched Clueless? You know, I have. okay. So who hasn't, right. Um, I can tell to you, you like pink. So she has a pink resume, right? I don't know if you remember that part. So I went and I got this super, super high-end pink paper. And it was barely pink, like barely pink. Only looked pink when it was sitting in a stack of white papers. And I put my resume on that. And my name's Barbara. So the top said Barbara. And then I put these little quotes in there, kind of like um, testimonials in my, but it said Barbie. And the first interview, I thought I completely tanked because his name was Brian and he ended up being a, a fabulous in, you know, um, influence in my life as my first kind of manager. And he's like, pink paper? How can I take, this has literally happened in my interview, right? I'm so nervous. How can I possibly take someone seriously who has their resume on a pink paper and whose name is Barbie? And I'm like, it's my second interview. You clearly remembered me. And then, and he's like, that's true. So of course, then I go on a tangent because I'm super nervous. And I say, well, have you watched Clueless? And I'm thinking, because of 50, I'm forgiven. Um, but he says, well, no, I guess I have to now. I'm like, well, at least I didn't spray it with perfume and make it scented. Okay, this is the stuff that came out of my mouth in my interview. So I leave, you know, ha, 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 okay, funny. And got the job. <laughs> and I said oh, I don't know I thought I bombed it so basically you know it was great um had a great job marketing coordinator learned a lot a lot a lot a lot now Brian about a year and a half later moved on um to another job or something like that and he pulled me in his office and he said you know what I gotta give you a heads up um Wes who was the the company owner he might let you go because he has a different focus marketing necessarily isn't his priority so I'm like, oh my God, freaking out, go to my mom, I need a job. Okay, well, I haven't even been let go yet, right? So this is like, like planning for the future. Mm-hmm. Right? So I need a job, I need to be ready. And mom's like, okay, well, actually, I just had a dance teacher leave um, in the middle of the year, which is very uncommon. I don't remember what happened. So I'm like, okay, great. So she's like, okay, you can teach dance, which I'm not a super fan, fan of. Um, I'm in the dance industry, run dance competitions. I love kids, love everything, but the teaching, I'm... I'm terrible at it, really. So, um, great. Okay, Tuesday, Thursdays, I'm going to take this job. It's like 3 o'clock to 9 o'clock, Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's great. No problem. I'm going to do it. Next day, get called into Wes's office. And, of course, I'm thinking, okay, this is it. Great. It's been great. It's, it's been a good ride. And uh, he promotes me to sales manager. And he says, um, you know, I'm promoting you because I've never, so I'm 22, maybe 23, I have never had a young person with the ability that you have to take constructive criticism. So I want you on my management team. So now I'm 23 in upper management having, now I have to manage women, which is not easy, who have been there for five to 10 years, two of which hoping they were gonna get the promotion. So now I've leapfrogged them and I had to manage that was a complete nightmare (laughs) but um so I learned a lot to say the least from that then got promoted to operations manager um you know ran a sales team ran marketing and operations and things like that so that's the backstory on that I got kind of on a tangent but um those are the things you know I learned from dance mostly is and you know and I like to speak about that and that's actually I'm starting a new um, video series about it which I'd love to tell you a lot about in a little while but 
you know, you have to be able to take constructive criticism and be resilient, especially as an entrepreneur, because it's like, well, well, you try that idea. You're super passionate about it, excited three weeks later. Oh, well, over it, move on. Like you can't take things personally all the time. Right. Uh, in my personal life, I, I struggle with taking things personally, but as business, I just, okay, well, that didn't work. So now I had this job in upper management and I'm teaching dance because I committed to that. So now I'm like doing that till the end of June. And we had a really great relationship. So I told him, I, I said, so uh, I kind of screwed up. And he goes, you haven't even taken the job yet. And now you screwed up. I'm like, yeah. So I told him, of course, he burst out laughing. He's like, okay, that's fine. So I'd leave at 2.30, teach till 9. It was a total nightmare. But um, that was that. Then my sister, so my mom, in the meantime, my mom had started a dance competition when we were 21. And she owned the dance studio and then kind of decided she wanted to start a dance studio. My sister danced on cruise ship. She's a very, very talented dancer and um, came home and she'd be, you know, just hanging out the dance competition or whatever. And she said to my mom, she said, what, what's happening here? Like, what are these clothes that you're selling? Right. Cause you sell t-shirts and things. And my mom's, I don't know, said just, you know, if you want to do it, just go, go ahead, like take over. So then my sister kind of, kind of um, started taking over like the clothing sales and things like that. So when you say clothing sales, clothing sales, as in like the merchandise with the studio name on it, or what, what were this, what was the clothing? So, so, so think of a, um, so this is before we started the company, a dance competition is think of a basketball tournament. The high schools come to the tournament where the tournament, not the high school. Okay. okay. So you go to a tournament and they have things. To merch. Buy. Yes. Yes. Merch. Yes. So we would, you know, we made the merch like whatever. So then my sister kind of took that on and, and did that. And at the time, so this was probably 14 years now. And we made, so um, we had, my sister had made like, just like Lulu has now, right? Like jackets, um, pants, and, and they would be branded with our logo. But the thing was, is she made sure that the, there was a size for a three-year-old and an 18-year-old and they matched exactly because a okay. three-year-old's got it. You got to have what the big kids have and it can't be different, right? Like a four-year-old will pick up that that is a tank top and this has sleeves and I don't want it. Right. Maybe, but anyways, so that went on for a couple of years. And then my sister said to me like, Hey, you know, we have all these studios asking, let's start a company on the side that does team apparel for dance studios. So we did that for a while. Um, a few years. Um, and with any, you know, any small business entrepreneur, you need to kind of decide, are we, what, what's happening with this? Cause it kind of got a little bit out of, um, there's a lot of things to manage right now. We're getting into inventory and we're getting into printing of other people making mistakes if the printer makes mistakes. So things like that. So we decided to move on from that and focus on, on event planning. So that was very exciting. We were, we were very excited because it was our own thing we started it from scratch and and did our own thing and it was you know I was very proud to be a part of that and, and do it with my sister she's she's a great um human and businesswoman and mother and so we, we you know we did that and then we focused on more on the events but you okay. know like you said entrepreneurs you're like okay well you can't you know you can't um be too you can't you can't beat yourself up over something didn't work let's let's move on and try something new so that's kind of where where that came in is your sister older than you yeah, uh, younger, but a year and a half. So okay. essentially, yeah. oh, so we're pretty close in age then. That's that's not a yeah, big gap at all. We, um, you know, grew up together, very close. We danced in the same dance groups, and uh, yeah, so that's awesome. So your sister, you, and your mom produced dance competitions across Western Canada. Elaborate a little bit more on that. So, did you host it? Like, what was your largest event? What? How many studios would kind of come to this? Right. So, so basically, like I said, my mom started these dance competitions in 2001 and she's very, um, good, um, as a, as an entrepreneur to kind of identify, okay, well, there's these dance competitions. And now let me just interject and say, it's nothing like it is now, like the dance, like now there's literally hundreds of dance competitions that dancers can choose from. And the dancers nowadays, like the things that these young women and beautiful humans are doing, wasn't even invented when I danced. Like it's like not what? even What's an example? Like, oh, I wish that I could do that. Like they, the hard work they put in and, and et cetera. So I do definitely want to say that they work very, very, very hard. Um, 
there's lots of dance competitions and opportunities out there. When I danced, um, when we were we were younger, so that like we're talking 25 years ago now, there wasn't a lot of opportunities. There was like three or four competitions that we went to one dance convention. So my mom looked at these and and thought, okay, well, these are the things that I really like about these competitions, and these are the things that I think do better. And then so she started an event, um, very small, um, which is the key when you're starting to just make sure you do slow and steady, um, for sure. And and yeah, so we did that. And then as my sister and I kind of had kids and stuff, we kind of got more involved um, and did that. Um, so unfortunately, we did have to close our business in March. And, um, you know, we made that decision. My mom has, is wanting to retire. So for me, um, you know, my sister is going to be spending more time with her kids. She's, you know, her kids are, you know, uh, 11, seven and nope, older than that, seven, nine and 11 now. And so it's a really important time in their life. And I, you know, didn't, I, I'm not going to say I regret it because it is what it is, but I didn't, you know, I didn't um, spend as much time with my kids during event season as I would have liked to now looking back. So very, very happy that she's doing that. And, you know, that, you know, that's awesome. She's an amazing mom. But for myself, I kind of thought, well, first of all, was, you know, heartbroken. So we, you know, we've had to get this business up and we've worked really hard, very hard for any, for any business. Um, you know, my mom, I think my mom, you know, she worked very hard and, and built it up and she's in a place now where she wants to spend time with her kids and, and probably saying too much about, about them because that's their, that's their journey. But that's just kind of what I'm, what I'm, what they told me. And I kind of thought I was heartbroken and you know, like, this is sad. Like we're, I'm grieving. I'm in a grief state. Once I finally kind of realized that's what it was. And then I said to Trevor, my partner, I'm like, I need a job. Like I'm 40. Like this, like, I just don't know. What I mean. like, because you know, it's my passion and I love it. It doesn't feel like a job all the time. I mean, some days it sure does, but it doesn't feel like a job all the time. And then I'm like, what am I going to do? Work at Starbucks. So, um, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe I will be brave and, and do a few events on my own. Uh, next year so it's going to be you know it's a huge challenge and I'm very nervous and scared and um I know I can do it but I I I hope it I hope it does okay and I do have a lot of people believing in me I do have a lot of um people not but we'll see and like I said if it if it if it goes it goes and if it doesn't it doesn't but you know I, I need to give it a shot and trust myself and I think that that's the thing that I'm, I need to do, like, I need to not give up on myself quite yet for, for that. I think that as entrepreneurs too, we do, we really do intuitively know when it actually is done or if it's fear taking over and it, you know, it was, it was fear taking over. So, you know, I have a lot of, you know, conflicts in my life and conflicts in my mind and things like that. So I just, wasn't ready to um give into the fear yet because that's what it was you know worrying about what other people think worrying about other people's feelings worrying 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 about like everybody else so I think that this is time for me to kind of give it a chance and that doesn't mean I don't care you know I don't care about other people's feelings just learning um for once to kind of try to give myself a chance and I think that you know I think that we need to do that a lot more as humans and especially as women. And I don't mean to stereotype at all, but I think it is, is typical um, that women tend to give too much and not take care of themselves and um, take time for self-care or therapy or even learning about what self-care is. So um, that's kind of where I'm going now is I'm in this huge I always knew in my life that when I was 40, my, I would, I knew 40 would be a big year and the universe is a funny, funny thing. And you have no, um, control or, um, you don't get to drive what exactly it's going to look like. And once you accept that, then I am open to things that are, Way more than I thought they could be 
but you know, I'm just kind of riding the wave, see how it goes. But I knew 40 would be a big year, so so you know, it's it's halfway there, and um, you know, it's just June that I turned 40, and things are really picking up quickly. So that's see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so when your mom would put on these dance competitions, would it be like smaller dance studios that would you know enroll to you know perform at these competitions in like jazz ballet tap like all the genres mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. so kids from three to 18 um come and yeah jazz tap ballet and she built it from one event to 14 so we did 14 wow kind of so what was your biggest enrollment at the competition like what was your max cap that you could have people um well it just really does depend on the venue too like you can't just if you were to go and just say Oh, I'm going to start Clarissa's dance competition and I want to start it right now. You can't just go find a venue. Like, (laughs) so you are kind of limited to, um, you know, if you use a hotel, so, you know, I'm going to do some of my events in a hotel. Well, you, you have to book say a year in advance. And so you need to book your days and then yes. So you would cap at whatever days. So me, for example, next year, my events are going to be capped at five days, quite often like hard cap at five days for myself. Not sorry, not for myself, for my customers. Cause I want them to be able to count on a five day event. Then some competitions will, you know, if you can get days ahead or after will extend. So I think we, we I think we ran an event that was eight or nine days before and these events go from 9 a.m to 9 p.m for for nine districts so I was gonna say because I grew up competing in dance for most of my life and I remember the typical dance competition days I remember we'd like leave school early was like you know Friday and then we'd have it Saturday Sunday and then as I got older it was Thursday Friday and then when I got into grade 11 and 12 it was Wednesday Thursday Friday I'm like holy crap like this is interrupting the whole school (laughs) week now like yeah so when you mentioned you know there's some major differences of what it was ran like back then compared to now and um, what the girls skill level has even become. Do you want to speak a little bit more on that? Like what are some examples that really stand out to you that you see from then till now? So when I danced, we, um, we did like competitions were there, they're seven days a week because you're in the States, right? No, I'm in Canada. Oh, you aren't. That's right. Yeah. Um, But we did, uh, we did one in the States. I think we did one in Buffalo. Right. So I think over where you are, your guys's market um, does reflect the U.S. market a little bit. And in the U.S., from what I found, especially back then, competitions were only Friday, Saturday, Sunday um, from the research I've done. It's not normal for you guys over there to miss school. Over here, it's just that's just what it is. Like our competitions here are um, Monday to Friday. So so kids who are um, serious top dancers will just miss a week of school and for me that what we that can be perceived as a negative from a parent and teacher point of view um it was always extremely positive for us um especially our family but all the kids I dance with because you you have to get your schoolwork done like it's not like you can't do it so so basically what we had was you know one day off so we uh, it was always Wednesday first I think my mom did that on purpose because she made the schedule but we had Wednesday off and how she always describes it is okay well you have a project due in six weeks we didn't have six weeks we had six Wednesdays so that kind of time management I mean plus side note you learn how to like get stuff done at the last minute like really 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 good um <laughs> but you you have to learn that time management and so you know and so so that's what I tell dancers like backstage like just don't screw that up and when I, you know, when I was dancing, I really didn't have much interest in like going out on Friday and Saturday nights and stuff because we danced late on Friday night and had to be back there at 10 a.m. on Saturday. You're tired. And of course, my mom is like, why do you think I did that? I make the schedule. Like you guys then didn't want to go out. But well, sneaky, these things you learn, you know, once you turn 25 or whatever, right? <laughs> so now, so what my mom kind of did is she made a little bit of a program. So what I would do is I would stack all my courses in the, in the first semester, um, like math and all those hard ones. And then the second semester I would have, you know, maybe one, um, whatever hard course, like science or whatever, and then some electives and I would leave school at noon. So she basically created us, um, a half day program. 
that's what dancers are able to do now. Um, guys and girls are able to enroll in a half day program in certain studios and then their dance hours count as credits for electives and oh. activity, which okay. is fantastic because that's where they want to be. Um, you know, my boys 14 and 12 play very serious lacrosse, uh, top level. And I wish that, you know, I hope that it picks up like in hockey, there's academy schools where you can play hockey up the day. And that's what, that's what they want to do. And I don't care for dancers if they want to be a professional. It literally has nothing to do with that. Like the 2% of uh, guys and girls who want to go and be professional dancers. Of course, that's amazing. But of course, you can do it, kill it, or performers. The vast majority of us aren't going to do that. So the lessons that we learn at dance or soccer or hockey or lacrosse or any serious um, sport or activity that you take on, the lessons that you learn are far more than the skills that you learn in the studio or on the rink or on the floor. And and I, I really want to put that out to parents to understand the time and the money and the commitment is worth it because we are, you know, for dancers, you want to turn into a accomplished, um, settled, powerful, whatever you want to be human. Those skills will make you do that. And for parents, I just want them to realize that this isn't, you know, a lot of them say, well, my kids are not going to be a professional, you know, your kid's not going to be in the NHL either. It's not about, um, it's not about that. So um, back then, like I said, you know, we danced as much as we could, whatever was out there, we did. And now there is so much opportunity that these dancers have and take, like I, they are phenomenal. Um, you know, one dancer, you know, that I speak to quite often, I get a lot of feedback from for events and, and things like that. She's going into grade 12 and just phenomenal how, how, how their lives are managed. But it just shows if you want something bad enough as a human, you are capable of going to get it and asking for help and taking those opportunities that you have. And it is fascinating for me watching these, these humans backstage just excel and learn and teach me. And it, it's very, it's awesome. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving it a lot. It is quite different, but I'm not one of those people that sits in that like, well, when I was a kid, we went outside and picked blueberries and we didn't come home until dawn and we didn't have the social media and we weren't on our phones. Like I'm not like that as a human, I'm not like that as a mom. I like to take the pluses and minuses of what we have in life now and, and run with it. There's a lot of opportunities that everybody has right now. It, like, I mean, look at us right now. Do you think that this would have happened, you know, 20 years ago or whatever? Fantastic. It's, it's fabulous. And I like to um, make sure that I encourage people to take care or take advantage of that as much as, as we can. As now as times, times are changing. What was your role when you were at these dance competitions, would you hang out backstage? Would you be coordinating and just making sure everything's running smoothly? What was your sister's role and your, your mom's role? Um, I was on stage. I love to be on stage. I love to talk to people. Sales and marketing are my, are my fortes. I would do websites and marketing and um, image and branding. Um, be on stage, talk to, you know, talk, to, talk, 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 all the talking. Um, very fun. My sister and my mom, you know, manage the operations, you know, uh, we, we all kind of managed the staff and, and, and did that together as a team. Um, my mom was the director my sister and I just worked alongside her and, you know, we really did, we really just, you know, versus a team and, and, and got it done. But my, my general role was, um, you know, on stage and my sister's very talented with, um, lots of things, you know, design and she did the clothing and, and, um, graphics that way. And I did the graphics on the website. So we really kind of just, you know, we tried to have a team where everybody could kind of excel in their own way. But, but to me, where I really, um, feel happy is, is on stage and talking to, uh, dancers. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So talk a little bit about your new dance company, B1 Productions. That's what it's called. Yeah, so and your uh, development series you're starting. Yeah, so I'm very excited about the, the video series, um, the new events. Like I said, I'm just going to take a 
take a shot at it. I, I wasn't ready to give it up. Um, my mom and my sister and I had, you know, built this, this wonderful company and I just want to give it a try. It's going to be a huge risk going into 2021 as it is for everybody who's breathing. Every, <laughs> everything's a risk. But um, like I said, uh, I'll do financially, I'll do, you know, whatever risk I can take, but also emotionally, I am very scared and very um, nervous. So I also just want to try to walk the walk and practice this. Okay, well, you're scared. You got to just give it a shot. And um, even if it tanks, it'll make a good story for my book, is what I say. Um, so, and then further on the dancer development series, I'm very, very excited about it. Because what, what I want to do is, is, like I mentioned before, get out there to dancers um, and parents and teachers. And the things that we're learning is, is way more is way more than what we, what's in the studio. It's backstage, it's learning, have somebody's back and work together. And the, and that's how it kind of set in at first for me. Like I said, when I got that promotion because of constructive criticism, it wasn't something that I, like it wasn't, it's just second nature. Because of ballet, you go in there and they're like, hey, try again, try again, try again, try again. No, not quite, nice try. You know, and so when somebody does say, um, wow, that was great. It, you know, I had teachers who like full on believed in me. I worked so hard, like so hard. And, you know, I was always okay. Like I was fine, but it was the, you know, the working hard part, like exhausting. And they never, ever gave up on me, like never. And so when I came off the stage and they were like, that was awesome. That's the best you ever did. Like cloud nine, cloud nine, because you know, it's real. So for me, I didn't really think it, that, that that's normal. So that is a number one talent for not talent skill for dancers going into anything in your life. Like literally anything. If you are going to make it anywhere, you need to be able to take constructive criticism from people who have done it before or even if your boss is a jerk, like even if you think in your head, this boss is a complete jerk. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's still your boss, right? We are all in business for ourselves. Even if you work at Starbucks and your boss is a total jerk because you have entered into a contract, you go through the hours, you get a paycheck. That is working for yourself. And if your boss is a total jerk, you decide you can be there. Or you like, there's two decisions and obviously never take anything that's wrong, but ability to take constructive criticism, you can also say, hey, you know what? I don't agree with you, but I'm just going to put a smile on my face because I still want my paycheck. So those kinds of things are what I want to kind of illustrate in these video series, you know, for, for, for dancers is, you know, there's one dancer that I've been talking to and she danced, you know, I've known her for a really long time. And She's so now she's gone on to be a naturopath and she's focusing on dancer um, and teenage issues with anxiety and digestion. She has celiac and all these things that weren't diagnosed because um, nobody really knew them, I guess, whatever. And so she's taken what she's learned from dance and she has made, she has used it in her education and now she's being a naturopath. Super cool for um, so I just, I'm going to be talking to people like that, talking to just dancers doing all the things. And I want people to understand that it is worth the time and the energy. And I'm super excited because there's so many different careers that you can have in dance without being a dancer. If that's sure. the path you're choosing to take. Yeah. So I, I'm just really excited to share that. And share so my just story. to clarify a little bit on the series. So is each, is it like an episode? Is it like a tutorial? Is it an interview with the dancer? Like what can people expect when they see these? Um, I think mostly I'm going to start with interviews. I feel like for me, um, I'm having a little trouble just staring and talking, which I think is natural when people get started. Right. So having a conversation like this is a lot easier. Plus it's more interesting. So <laughs> I, of course, will share stories of myself, and I'm super excited to do that. 
I think that that will come out. It has been coming out in these interviews that I have been doing um, about it. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, again, as entrepreneurs, who knows what's going to happen, right? I could Absolutely. end up talking about, about my puppy, who knows? So, but that's also something to learn too, is that who knows, right? We have a plan. And, Absolutely. And, so, and- what stage are you currently in then? Are you in like the pre-planning of all of this that's going to be happening in 2021 or do you have things in place already? I have planning, 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 planning. And then yes, we have things in place right now. My partner's helping me and we're, you know, there's a lot of stuff rolling and, you know, I've done a bunch of interviews. So just in the process of editing and and doing all that and being brave enough to post them. So your next steps are editing and getting them up. Yeah, learning about that. And yeah, so just really excited about that. And I also, when I launch something, I want it to be right. So um, we'll get there. But then also too, there's there's some hard dates. And when it's when it goes, it goes. <laughs> For sure. For sure. What was your favorite genre of dance when you were growing up? I love lyrical, um, lyrical dance because... It was slower, more technical, not as fast um, time to kind of figure it out and tell a story. I um, didn't excel so much at, you know, the tricks or those kinds of things. But my, once I got to be older and interpretation and feeling on stage and stage presence is where I I tried to focus just because that's where um, my skill was more than, more than the other things. For sure. So on that note, then what was your least favorite style? Oh, tap. Jarrett, tap. Very complicated. Too many things going on. Left foot, right foot, arms, face, the whole thing. Couldn't, like, it was just, it was too much. So (laughs) I really struggled. Oh, and hip hop, though. Like, I mean, hip hop kind of just started when we were teenagers, and I'm just terrible. Yeah, that got in later. Yeah, I'm not not really cool. Not a cool human. Um, So... Uh, yeah, not not so good at that. Yeah, and it was new, exactly. So, uh, well, new to us, new to new to um, that kind of studio kind of environment. Of course, it wasn't new in in life and culture. Um, so, so yeah, so that you know that was kind of my thing. But you did it. You have to do it. You're you need to do all the things if you want to be a well-rounded dancer. You are in the company, and the company you do the things. And some things you're better at and some things you're terrible at. And I mean, I was very, very bad. And my teachers now would think like, oh, Barbie, like you're too hard on yourself. No, nope, no, nope. just being, just being realistic. Like not super good. Like, yeah, stay- you know, you're what you excel at and you know what you would need to work on and what you're not interested in. And that's okay. And, and you know, and, and in life too, you know, that's something I'm going to write down too. That's a topic for for the videos too. That's okay. You don't have to be good at everything. Beat yourself up about not being good at a spreadsheet. You know what? Like, yeah, you could figure it out, but you know what? You could ask for help or do something like outsource. Just figure it out. Like you're, you're okay. And I, I beat myself up so much in my life for not being good at all the things. And I'm a smart human. I can figure it out. And of course, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you just, you do what you got to do. Yes. I have to do my accounting spreadsheets but you don't beat yourself up because you're not good at something because what, what happens when you focus all your energy on not being good at that one thing, you are neglecting all these other amazing things that you could have exposed yourself to that you are going to excel at and shine at. So, um, it's okay. (laughs) You know? Absolutely. So let's stray away from for a little bit. When were you diagnosed with Bell's palsy? So in 2000 and, um, 2013, I woke up with um, the left side of my face completely paralyzed. So if you do watch my face closely when I am speaking, it's not completely symmetrical, which people who didn't know me before say that they don't notice it as much. Um, You know, when I get tired, I drink wine, sometimes it, you know, gets tired. So it's about 85% healed. I'm very lucky. A lot of people don't don't heal at all. Some people three, four, 10 days later, I'll just wake up. It's totally fine again. And my case was, uh, I can't remember how they describe it. So it wasn't mild. It was middle to kind of high or whatever they say. 
And what happens is a virus that attacks this nerve in your face. So our faces are a perfect spider web of nerves that both start with big nerves. I don't know what they're called, but here, and then there's a perfect spider web this way. And what I've learned is nerves are little tubes, like a wire, uh, like a telephone wire. So there's the casing and then there's all the little wires inside. And then those wires have little wires inside. So what happens is it just depends on the degree of damage that the virus does to your nerves. So for me, so you can either have, if you have a very mild case, it just damages the nerves that are inside all the tubes. So they can grow back easily because they know where to grow. So in the front facial part, just for the listeners that don't see us on video, right. so you're talking about coming from yeah, here so down. There's, there's big nerves right beside your ears. And then there's a perfect spider web of nerves on your face. I would imagine they're close to the surface. I really don't know that part. But so if the nerves inside the tubes get damaged, like I said, they know where to grow back. In my case, several of them, or lots of them, I don't, I don't know how many, the actual outside tube got damaged. So what happens is when the nerves grow back, they don't know where to go. So I have some nerves grew, um, think that they're an eye nerve and they're a mouth nerve. So when I'm talking, my left eye is active and it flutters a little bit. So can look like sometimes I have a little bit of a lazy eye or that something weird's going on. Um, my smile's not the same as it used to be. I had to relearn how to smile, things like that. Very is that hard to deal to with. Do? To like relearn how to smile? Yeah. So I don't smile with my mouth open, like with teeth, because it is my smile is not even. And nobody, but it just, it isn't, it kind of looks messed up. So you have to kind of learn those things. Things like when you're coughing, you got to kind of look down or um, not coughing, uh, yawning because your face is weird things. So I did do a bunch of physical therapy, which was extremely frustrating. Um, and I couldn't do it. Um, so I did give up on that, but I have tried like literally everything for Bell's palsy. So that's why when people do reach out and I do love when people reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram or anything, um, cause it's not talked about a lot. It's not life threatening. Um, it does make sense that we put our research dollars into cancer and things that are, you know, killing people. Um, but very, very hard. So I, I have been speaking out quite a bit about it. And the reason I speak out about it is because metaphysically, so, um, traditional medicine, you get a virus, damage habits. Okay, cool. Um, they don't really know anything about it. Um, like I said, there's not a lot of research. Metaphysically, Louise Hay, I don't know, are you familiar with Louise Hay at all? So Louise mm -hmm. Hay talks about um, metaphysical reasons in our body, why things happen. So there is a virus out there. Why did I get Bell's palsy and you didn't? The virus is floating, I, it's there, right? So first thing I did was read up on it and it literally said your voice is your, I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically your voice is being paralyzed. You like you literally your mouth is paralyzed. So of course I'm like, oh my God, why is this happening to me? So just researching and I did, I found in my life um, and no fault to anybody who was in my life. It's just, I was now the mom and the wife and had the perfect house and did the perfect parties and had the perfect dinners and, you know, was an entrepreneur and it was great. And Oh, lucky Barbie. And she's so great. And she's killing it at life. And I just was like, Oh my God, I am not using my voice. And I didn't know what it was. Um, so I literally hid in bed for about three weeks <laughs> and because things happen with Bell's palsy as you're healing too. It's not like this when it heals, like your face is literally paralyzed. So your eye doesn't close. So when you're sleeping, you need to tape your eye shut because so it doesn't get dried up and your eye doesn't get damaged and all these little mm -hmm. things. That you don't, yeah. That don't realize that you ha haven't. And it really, really sucks. Really sucks. So you start to learn that first of all, um, you're emotionally and physically run down to the point that you get a virus, but emotionally run down to the point where a virus like that takes over. I, once I started really, looking inward at it, I was emotionally empty. I had given everything to everybody else. And I didn't know what to do about that. 
once you start to realize and kind of fix it, the universe will kind of come back and heal. You will heal in any disease. And so I started my blog and I wrote one, one thing, which I, you know, I still have somewhere and it, it's very funny now looking back, but that was a huge healing experience. And now I've started this transition to where I am now of using my voice, telling other people, stop doing that. Stop, 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 stop caring so much about what other people think. I literally led my life based on trying to make other people happy. Um, quite often doing things that weren't actually what was going to make them happy. Right. So, um, that's very important to stop and also learning the concept of self-care. I never even knew what that was. So when I started into, into therapy, you know, they're like, well, what do you do for self-care? And I'm like, I don't know. I go for pedicure once in a while. Like, I don't even know what that is. Right. So just talking about, about that and just the base premise that it is speaking about what you need, asking for help, like caring for your inner self. Like, you know what you need. Yeah. You know what you need. We're just way too scared to ask her to do it. So yeah. what other kinds of obstacles did this lead to? I know you mentioned a couple, but what were some like real frustrating moments that you're like, how am I going to get over this? Yeah. I, at first people were like, oh my God, did you wake up and you were so shocked? I wasn't shocked actually. I was like, oh, well that makes sense. And super settled about it. It was really, really weird. Um, and at first the reading I did was, oh, it can last 10 days. Oh, 10 days. That's okay. Yeah, 10 days. And then it was a month and it was two months then it was six months. And now it's been seven years and this is kind of me now. And I, it's hard for me to accept some days. Um, but then some days I'm like, well, that it will most days that's, that's the story. So to me, the biggest challenge to accept is the responsibility that something like this brings on because I feel responsible in a good way to share, um, share that, share what happened to me and use it as a positive message to people who are going through, well, anything. For sure. And how has it affected your life and your business? Oh, nothing, nothing. Zero. Nothing at all? That's pretty good then. I would yeah. say you're very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and honestly, like a lot of people, they don't hear heal like at all. Um, a lot of people are scared to leave their house because it's your face. And um, obviously you want to put your best face forward, but it's, yeah, I'm very lucky. Very, very lucky in, in lots of ways. So. so what's a best piece of advice you would offer to someone to deal with challenges through entrepreneurship or disability or those obstacles? It's just, you know, like I've said a couple times is you have to stop caring about what people think. You, you have to. And if you can't figure out how to do it on your own, you have to get help to do it. Because if you live in a suffocating bubble of living for other people, whether it's real or perceived, you will die inside and you will get a disease or you will, something will happen to you. You need to figure out and take steps towards finding your true self. And you don't, I shouldn't say finding cause it's already there. It's just uncovering it and being brave enough to realize that you're, you're enough and you're amazing and just give her. And if people don't want to be around you or they judge you, see you later. That's what I am, am learning now. And it's very hard and it's been very hard because I've had to let a lot of people go that I thought were very important to me, who I thought had my back and it's okay for a while just to have your own back and lean on the few people who do know support you and, and then move into the next level. And that, that is at any age. If you're in a situation that you know you don't want to be in, you have to leave. You have to leave. And it, you always have a choice. You know, you can always leave that job. You can leave that. You can, you know, 
get a cheaper car or get a cheaper apartment and, and make sure you leave somewhere where your true self is being suffocated because it's not going to go well. <laughs> so makes sense. Makes complete yeah, sense. That, that kind of message that I'm trying to give now, especially to young people. I want to, I want that to be a premise of starting out there. You should never feel suffocated is the only word that I ever used for that. So. Right. So let's talk a little bit about CrossFit. Why and how did you get into it? Super random, right? Mm-hmm. And when I looked, you know, of course I, you know, what do you do? First thing you, you know, you contacted me to be on your, on your show. And obviously first thing I do is stalk you on, on uh, social media. <laughs> Saw your, your workout post and I'm like, oh my God, she does CrossFit. And CrossFit is something that I just love talking about because it's super random that I got into it. Like super random because uh, same as you I'm, I'm guessing because we're dancers like it's not really something that is like like people being like you do crossfit I'm like I know I do right so I was really proud to do it and when I um so my ex and I split in in 2016 and shortly after that so that was the spring and then in October um a friend of mine says you need to come to crossfit absolutely not like what planet do you live on that I'm gonna go lift weights with like barbaric whatever and he's like really and I'm yes really he's like just come so I went just basically because he was pestering the crap out of me so I was like oh my god so I went and the community and the encouragement and it was just the environment that this my specific gym and coaches create I was like I belong here. I felt like I belong. And because it was something I never thought that I would be able to do, you know, humans are amazing. There's nothing you can't do. Like people who say, oh, you're not a runner. Yeah, yeah, everybody's a runner. Like if a bear is chasing you, I guarantee you are a great runner. I'm telling you right now, right? Everybody can run. You have a mentality like, I mean, hating running and not being able to run is very two different things. Because when I run, I just, I hate running, I hate running, I hate running. But you can run, you can lift weights. Everybody can lift weights as long as you do it right. So I, you know, he, the coach asked me, you know, what's your goal? My goal is to show up. My goal is to show up every single day. That was my goal. That's it. I don't, I don't have the, I'm going to lose 25 pounds. I'm going to get jacked. I'm going to get, I didn't, I'm just going to show up. So the class that we all went to was at 6am and I went for four or five days a week um if you're up late you've been drinking too much like still went 90 percent of the time and it just became somewhere where I belonged and I hadn't had that in a long time you know not judged um I could be myself I could be quiet I could be loud I could be whatever and that was something that was very special to me and so it was just that residual kind of actually got in shape at the same time like yay so and a very big uh reward for me and I remember and it was in the winter so it only been like a month or two and I was running so doing the mile run or whatever like worst day ever when it's running day but you so there was a Tim Hortons and when I was working um I would stop every morning you know my ex and I worked together and we'd stop and get, you know, breakfast sandwich and double double from Tim Hortons. And, you know, that was through the time where you're like, Oh my God, I really should be exercising. Like, Oh, I should be, should be, should be, should be, should be, should be. Well now at 6am I'm running past the Tim Hortons drive through And to me, um, obviously no judgment on them, but to me thinking, this is cool. You know, now I'm, I'm doing this and I'm taking kind of charge of, of my health and my life. And it was you're it, replacing your drive through car ride with your run instead <laughs> yeah I mean I'm not gonna lie I'd go to Starbucks after but I had switched to tea but yeah so that was that was a really big deal and I you know I'm really proud of that really proud that I made that change and when I do talk about it is that it really is you look at something and you're like oh I could never be a podcast interviewer or a anything yeah you can sure you can if you want to you can do whatever you want right so, um, yeah, that really cool. So that I, I just, that it's kind of a really cool kind of step in, in my life. 
Do you think you'll ever compete in CrossFit? Absolutely not. No. No. (laughs) Like they, uh, at the beginning, my coach was like, oh, you should enter novice competition. And I'm like, well, let me go check out what this is like. That is not novice. Like that is very, very hard. They are in very, very good shape. No way. I'm not doing that. And, And I just didn't, I wasn't driven to the sport that way. I was driven to the community and getting in shape and having a positive experience. I didn't. Honestly, half the time I half-assed it and my coach knew that, but having half-assing is better than being on the couch. So that was my, my vision of it and the consistency, you know, got me in shape and, and that was the thing, but no, hard no. I'm a cheerleader. Go wear the CrossFit t-shirt to the CrossFit competition, bring the healthy snacks. If I remember to the CrossFit people and cheer people on, that was my role on the team. <laughs> That's awesome. That's well, it's so amazing that you created a community for yourself and something you enjoy and you don't, yeah, exactly necessarily have to compete in it, but to just feel like you're a part of a group, a team, like a community family type thing. Yes. And something that is a healthy team too, because that's, Absolutely. that's the thing I think for us to kind of differentiate is you can feel like you are a team on a lot of things, but if it is not feeding the healthy part of you, and like I said before, it's not, you know, if it's not feeding the um, direction that you know you should be going in. And, right. and I don't mean just, you know, drugs or alcohol or, or drama or gossip. I mean your true self. So if I'm spending too much time, um, you know, with people who are settled, and I don't mean settled in a good way. If you're settled in your life and you're happy, that's, that's awesome. But I mean settled, like settling, that's not for me. So when I was spending time with people who were kind of settled, settling for things that maybe they knew they wanted more, but aren't doing, I can't like that's, that's not an environment for people who want to take it to the next level. You need to be around people who are one or two steps ahead of you, not 18, because then you're like, Oh my God, I'm never going to get there. It's too overwhelming. Two or three steps ahead of you is, is where you want to be and, and hanging out and um, getting feedback and making connections. What other hobbies and interests do you have? I, that's always a loaded question. You know, you go to therapy or coaches or business coaches and first question they ask. And I'm like, I don't know, like my sister and I always joke, I guess you need to get a hobby, but I like to work. Like this to me is fun. Us talking is fun. I have fun with that. I have fun with, I get a charge out of, my you know my ex or sorry not my ex my partner being like he's starting a new business it's amazing like he's super super smart starting this business he's like I need a website I told them I'd have a presentation ready um this is like on Friday so I told them I'm I'm have everything ready for um Monday so I'm going to make a presentation on Monday and I'm like so I guess you need some things to present on Monday he's like yeah so he's like I need the website I need power blah 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 and I pulled it off. We pulled it off, but I pulled off the design and stuff and super pumped. That is fun for me. I actually have fun. So, you know, where typically people think, okay, well, working, you know, you're burning yourself out. Ah, it's fun. So making connections and my, you know, my bestie gets me out paddle boarding and I like doing things like that. And I like, you know, I like, well, I like being at the gym after, right? You know, that's, that's the, that's the beauty of the gym. The gym is very, very fun when you're finished. Um, if you do the six o'clock class and the seven o'clock class is coming in and you're like, see you suckers. I already did it. That's fun. But, um, yeah. And just, you know what, finding that again, my, um, partner and I actually just bought a, a, a new place and it's, it's on a golf course. So I might learn how to golf. Wow. That'd be fun. Well, do does he golf? He does, um, a little bit and I, um, don't. And I tried a couple years ago, and this is actually quite funny because I I'm kind of large chested, and I it literally affects how you swing. So I was YouTubing like uh, girls with big boobs teach golf, like I because it he's like we'll do this, and I'm like I can't through the way, so I, uh, <laughs> I I need to learn again. I need to try again. It was pretty funny. What a problem to have. I've never golfed, but I feel like I would have the exact same issue as you now that you're bringing that up. You never think that. Yeah. Like, and guys, like 
even so if they're very they work out a lot and they have you know a chest they still have room as opposed to us like we literally have lumps so it's like well, you know and yeah and the sports bra thing like I gotta like if it I get there in my gym bag I gotta have two sports bras because you're like oh god running day okay but because it's so distracted hurts and <laughs> um anyway so yeah so that's a challenge for golf so um something I'll have to work with and take on that challenge we can talk about that in a few months and you can be like oh how'd that challenge go for me? <laughs> where are we at with it <laughs> yeah totally totally so so are you happy with the direction of life you're currently taking I'm ecstatic I really am um scared out of my mind um very excited this this transition period for me um financially emotionally career-wise I'm scared shitless but my personal life I have waited a long time to find a love that I have. I've waited a long time to feel settled and calm in my life, have a foundation to jump off of for my ideas and feel safe enough to fail. Um, so, so yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited. And I know a lot of things are going to tank, but what do you do? <laughs> you got to try, you got to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Try again. Right. And what's next for you? Um, next is, yeah, planning, getting everything ready, um, being brave, making videos, getting out there, talking to people and just being myself. And I finally feel like I can, I finally feel like I'm in a space to, um, breathe and do things on my own. And I'm very excited about that. So I'm going to see how that goes and who knows, you know, maybe my passion will be something else. Maybe I'll start building dog houses for a living who knows but I'll be excited <laughs> gotta be open to it all it doesn't matter as long as you're happy and and successful in your own way so I'm excited totally is there anything else you would like to add to this episode no I think I mean I think that I'm very grateful to you for letting me have um the chance to do a lot of talking today and I think that that's you know I that that's nice to to find to find that, to have people who are genuinely interested in your story. And I think that that's where, now looking back to a previous question we had about the interviews, I think that that's really nice too, because in one hour we have, you've had your chance to shine as an interview and I've had my chance to, to shine as a interviewee or whatever I am. And I think that that's cool. So it's two, two wins. And, um, you know, plus I sent uh, the screenshot to my partner. And so I told him I need to have pink earphones like you. So, <laughs> so we could be matching. <laughs> Do you want to um, plug your social media links? Pardon me again? Do you want to plug your social media links? Oh, I do. Absolutely. I would love to. So my uh, personal one is barbiewharton.com. Uh, Barbie Wharton, most places around. And uh, B1.Dance is my new event, which I'm very excited about. That's where I'll be promoting the Dancer Development Series as well um, along those feeds for now until hopefully they get more of a life on their own. And um, I'm also working with a lot of sponsors and new events, which I'm very excited about. I'm not privy to be able to talk about what they are quite yet, but that's where, you know, they will be um, promoted is on the B1Dance, B1Dance feeds. And I'm sorry, B1.dance. And I'm very excited and I can't wait to do all the things and share all the things with everyone. For sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to share your story and journey with everyone and obstacles you've went through and how to conquer them. Um, and I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you were all able to take something away from Barbie's journey. Don't forget to check her out on all social media platforms, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.